there was a song I wanted to sing for you that I was singing to myself recently. I can't remember. Do you have that? Do you have songs that you just sort of, um, like your go-tos when you're just singing to yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, actually, I was singing, um, oh, think twice, just another day for <laughs> you, you and me in paradise. You... Neha is so sick of me singing that song. <laughs> That's the Phil Collins, David Crosby song. You didn't hear that recently. You were just I like, haven't heard just... that song in years. <laughs> I was singing a song to myself the other day, and I thought I was singing Lady in Red by Krista Berg, but yeah. I was actually singing Put On Your Red Dress by Martin Page. I don't know who Martin Page is. I think his hit was In the House of Stone and Light. Oh, you love that song. Is, I love I that do song. remember that song. About yeah. a, I guess that's probably about a church. Oh, yeah. House of Stone and Light. Right? What else would it be? I don't know. Some modernist. <laughs> Modern structure. But this one is... Put on your red dress, baby. <laughs> Wear a smile. Ridiculous. <laughs> but also, I mean, ballsy for Martin Page to write a song about a woman in a red dress. I mean, at that point, that's firmly Krista Berg's wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. I think. That was a signature song, Krista Berg. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah. Well, Krista Berg, I mean, he... is dancing. Does he know... Does Krista Berg know the lady in red? Cheek to cheek. Maybe he doesn't. He's never seen her looking as lovely as she does tonight. Well, so. it could still be the first time he ever saw her. <laughs> but it seems to me that he has seen her, maybe every day. Maybe they work in the same office, but he never noticed her. <laughs> and they're dancing together for the first time. <laughs> maybe it's an office party. I assume it's his wife. No. I just, I've always assumed the lady in red was Krista Berg's spouse. I partner. thought it was just someone he worked with casually. And they're dancing And she's had a crush on him, but he's never noticed her until she popped on that red dress. And they're at an office party, so like... <laughs> I suppose there's nobody here. Although there's nobody. But that's I think, metaphorical. I think that's a metaphor. Oh, because he's never seen so many men coming up asking if she wants to dance. Everyone wants to dance with her. Yeah, nobody noticed her before Cinderella, she, she put on the red. It's a Cinderella story. Yeah. Yeah, DeBerg is really driving home the fact that she doesn't usually look that good. <laughs> yeah. The takeaway is that she's very beautiful and he'll never, never forget, forget how, the way how, she, looks how she looks. Yeah. Ever in his whole life. Even when she just looks okay. <laughs> yeah, she's back to her old dowdy self. <laughs> Christenberg is singing about a woman in red, whereas right. Martin Page is singing to her. Martin Page is asking a woman that he's infatuated with oh, to, he wants to, put to put it on. on. Yeah. Which implies he's singing to a naked woman. Right. Do you think they're like going on a date? And he's like, come on, it's <laughs> our reservations in 20 minutes. You know what, Martin? You put it on. <laughs> and you know who else had a song about a red dress? What? It seems like everybody. Around the time of the diary was Snow. Lady with the red dress on, I want to be your man and take you into my world. He doesn't know this woman. He sees her wearing the red dress. And because she's wearing the red dress, or at least the red dress is kind of like how he notices her. You know, I just had a thought. What? Do you think it's the same woman in all three songs? It could be the same red dress. The same red dress, but not the same woman? (laughs) She's like, I'm tired of men noticing me when I wear this dress. I'm tired of men telling me I'm more beautiful than ever before in this dress. I'm tired of men telling me to put it on. I'm bringing this to Goodwill. (laughs) (laughs) These are all songs about cursed red dresses. (laughs) The same cursed red dress that's been passed down. The curse of the red dress. Jedediah is a man. Who once was a boy And he wrote down all his feelings In a diary to enjoy Now he's reading it again Reading it for you Maybe you'll recognize yourself too 
Jedda Diaries. The Jedda Diaries. That's the name of this podcast. And now the song is through. You know what else is cursed? What? This episode of the Jedda Diaries, because it's week 13. I'm your host, Jedediah Baker. I'm Tori Puckett. 13, unlucky 13. I'm frightened. Yeah, me too. Um, also, as kind of mentioned last week, a baker's dozen. Mm-hmm. A baker's dozen is because he cooks 13, he or she, of a baked good and then eats one, right? That is the concept why it's a baker's dozen. Oh, I, I thought it was because someone comes into a bread shop, they yeah. order a dozen, they're like, you know what? I'm going to throw in an extra one. Why would the, why would Because the bakers baker are notoriously just... generous. <laughs> I think... And I'm pretty sure that this is correct. I'm not usually this sure about things. Yeah. But my understanding of it is that... The baker sets aside one like, for themselves. Yes, you're going to sell a dozen of something. Mm. So you make 13 of them. Okay. So that you, as the baker, can enjoy the fruit of your labor and just eat one. Interesting. And also to make sure they're good. I, okay. think, it's, I think it's a perk of the job. Okay. Although now that I think about it, that doesn't make any sense because a baker couldn't be eating one out of every 13 things they baked like that's yeah why is it a baker's dozen now well, i'm having doubts and if you think about if someone's making a dozen muffins uh-huh. a dozen is an even number so the tin's gonna have so yeah, a muffin tin's gonna have 12, 12 or 16 yeah it's not gonna have 13 right so he'd, the baker would have to like make another muffin tin with just one muffin in it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think you actually might be right that it is just sort of generosity on the part of the baker. Yeah. Be like, you know what? You want 12? Here's a, here's a bonus. Come back. Mm-hmm. It's like building customer loyalty. And you know why I think that? I'm not just pulling that out of nowhere. I used to work for a very brief period of time at a bagel shop. <laughs> you might recall. Uh-huh. The owner was a very charismatic guy. People would come in just to talk to him. They Maybe they didn't even want a bagel. And he would say, I threw in an extra, you get a baker's dozen. So he... Okay. Use the term as this one's on me. You know, you, Baker's dozen. This one's on me. Okay, that's how he used it, but that doesn't explain the provenance where like it came I said. from. Yeah, but I mean, it could. It could. It could mm-hmm. just be like Bakers have historically always done this. <laughs> yeah. Baker, bakers are kind. I've pulled down from one of my shelves Brewster's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable, mm-hmm. and I found the entry for Baker's dozen. Oh, Baker's dozen. 13 for 12. When a heavy penalty was inflicted for short weight, bakers used to give a surplus number of loaves called the inbred to avoid all risk of incurring a fine. Yeah. The 13th was the vantage loaf. That's not what I expected at all. No, me neither. Also, it says here, to give one a baker's dozen is to give one a sound drubbing, i.e. all he deserves and one stroke more. Which I've never heard baker's dozen used in that way before. Is yeah. It's kind of a metaphor for hitting someone as and many added, times as they deserved plus, plus one. one. It sounds like the king is punishing you because yeah. you're trying to get away with... If your loaves are, are light, just make them heavier. Literally, like you're wasting that loaf mm-hmm. just to make sure you don't get fined. That is... I've never heard that before. I've never heard that And that's not either. how anyone uses it today. No, no. But yeah, I guess down... You know, I live above a bagel shop and you buy a dozen bagels, you uh-huh. get one extra. It's just kind of... Mm-hmm. It's what you do. Yeah. I don't know if it's formalized. No, because you're not going to order a dozen. If you order a dozen of something from a baker and they give you a dozen, you're not going to be like, really? (laughs) Just 12, huh? Yeah, that's true. It set the expectation. Yeah. I mean, I guess you'd be within your rights, I suppose, at this point, for a phrase as ubiquitous as baker's dozen. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody knows it. Everyone knows what it means. Is it burdensome for bakers? I'm sure they build it into their accounting. Yeah. 
why bakers? Why only bakers? Why not a fishmonger's dozen? Why not? Why not like a, a cheesemonger's dozen? You know? Why not the dressmaker's dozen? Why? Why? Why, why the bakers? baker gets saddled with the extra loaf? Yeah. Well, I mean, Josie could really clear up. A lot yeah, of these- my brother Josie Baker is himself an actual baker for his profession. So, Josie, please call the tip line. One eight zero two eight five one nine five seven eight. Let us know if you've ever heard of that specific definition of baker's dozen and what it means to you. You never know. I guess you never do. You never know. You never, <laughs> never know. That's so dumb. It's the Jerky Boys, right? Mm-hmm. Wildly influential Jerky Boys. Remember Winter Carnival? Mm-hmm. So Winter Carnival every. I don't know, every February or so, we would cease, for a day, we would cease normal school activity, uh-huh. and we would build snow sculptures and yep. banners each, and stuff. Each grade. This was post-diary. This was high post-diary. School, this school. was middle school and high school. Coming up. So during Winter Carnival in eighth grade, I was working on a banner in the art room, in the high school art room. The cooler high school kids. Whoa. I mean, the cool high, cooler. I wasn't cool, so they were cool, and I wasn't. Yeah. Anybody was cooler. They were all talking about going to the Jerky Boys movie that night, oh. which had just come out. What do you think that was rated? I would say that was rated PG-13. Really? I think so. So they were talking about going to the Jerky Boys movie, and I desperately wanted an invite. What did you do? So I kind of slowly inched toward them. <laughs> oh, my God. Kind of ingratiating myself into this little group and like, oh my God, not brave. contributing, but laughing. You know, someone was joking and just... <laughs> just sidling up and be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys, <laughs> good one. Someone in the group said, we're all going oh, to the Jerky Boys oh, movie Oh, that tonight. sounds great, Yeah. <laughs> But they obviously weren't like yeah. I wasn't being invited. They were just saying it to the group. But you had you had increased your proximity enough to right. that point, right? To sort of by default, yeah. Maybe I'm a part of this group, even if no one's noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go? Well, I didn't have a like I didn't have a patron. I didn't have a, there was no ambassador between me and the group. I had no way to like liaise with anyone in the group. Right. You just knew it was a plan. So I knew it was a plan. <laughs> you didn't know the details, but I didn't know the details, and I had no way to get the details. You could have just gone to the movie and sort of hung out. But I didn't know. Hours. I didn't know if they were going to like the local movie theater. Oh, I didn't know if they were going to Stowe, which was the next town over. <laughs> I just had no way to know, and I was obviously too frightened to ask for details. <laughs> like I wasn't going to go up to someone and say, "Can you?" So what yeah. time are you? They going? They would have been like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> so you didn't go. Yeah, I didn't end up going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very, very brave to sidle over. You yeah, know? and you took a risk, mm-hmm. and no one like they didn't all stop. And stare at you. Yeah. And be like, what the hell? <laughs> right. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. That was a small victory. Like, you know, life is a series of little steps, little advancements. Yeah. Who knows what kind of what that did to your overall capacity to sort of join a group that you weren't necessarily a part of that you wished to be a part of. Right. That's good. Yeah. It could have gone terribly. Maybe it emboldened me just a little bit, just could, enough to like take a bigger step the next time. Yeah. And who knows? If it had gone terribly, perhaps you would have withdrawn. Sure. You know? No, it could have set me back by like a year. Yeah. So that was in eighth grade. Yeah. So we're not, again, not there not, yet. We're not there yet. I feel like sometimes this podcast has a... a like Dun- a window? A Dunkirkian sort of <laughs> yeah. time spiral. Yeah. That sort of just centers around 1993. But mm-hmm. we, we visit other years before and after. That's true. Most of the stories we've been telling are not from 1993 necessarily. Oh, yeah, of course. That's like one thirty seventh <laughs> of, of, stories of, we've our, been of our lives. Yeah. yeah. The diary is an anchor. Yeah. But the waves of our lives you know travel out in both directions this is a question we've had are we deviating too much from the diary is that i think the diary is a jumping off point how many metaphors can i use to describe the diary (laughs) i think the diary is the center of a bullseye and the rest of the no that's not good
It's like the sacred text to which we invariably yeah, return. Yeah, I think, I think the diary is the Bible. Or the Constitution. No, because the Constitution was the beginning of everything. It was like the start of America. That My life didn't start with the diary. But the podcast did. That's true. In the beginning, we viewed the diary as like, you know, like there are two interpretations of the Constitution. One is like the originalist. What is it? Originalist and? Originalist and contextualist. Okay, yeah. Or some people call it textualist and contextualist. It sounds like you said the same word twice. It does sound. So one is called textualism. Textual. So the text is paramount. The right. text is the what text is important. The text is everything. Yeah. You don't need to look outside the text. Oh, and context. And context. Is contextualism is this idea. The world it's in. The idea that it's a living, breathing thing that changes with, depending on who's looking at it and depending when they're looking at it. You know, so... Yeah. I feel like in the beginning we took a textualist approach, like let's only look into the diary. Oh, oh and since then to go along with your yeah, Dunkirkian thing, yeah, we've kind of like point. Has, expanded have, our have, scope. Yeah, it is now a contextual. Yeah, I think of the diary as less than a a beginning than it is a center. Mm-hmm. I think the diary is the Jesus Christ of things. Mm-hmm. You know, the years around it are his apostles. <laughs> are, no, wait, the diary is maybe the Bible's the wrong place. I'm just thinking about the bible because yesterday was easter there's a good metaphor here Mm -hmm. i think the the stone dropped into a lake of the past and then the ripples kind of go out and are the years around and the stories each story is a fish okay swimming around the rock the descending rock that Mm -hmm. is the diary it will take 52 weeks to reach the bottom of this metaphorical ocean Mm -hmm. upon which you know a fish will bump up against the rock (laughs) yeah Fish will come in from distances from the rock, which are years. Yeah. Bump against it, leave. And then it hits the ocean floor. Oh, wait, hold on. There's a, is, there's a lone man who's skipping stones on the body of water. That you're, Is he part of this? That's Jesus. Okay. When you saw only one set of stone skipping ripples, mm-hmm. it was because I was skipping your stones. <laughs> <laughs> and it is now April. March, in like a lion, out like a lamb. Mm-hmm. We just, little lamb, just hopping out the door. <laughs> Goodbye. What do you think about that phrase? Hold on, I'm going <laughs> to... If I had I still, to guess. The book is, yeah, the book is sitting right here. So while I look up that phrase, why don't you let me know what you think? Even though it's metaphorical, it's it's quite literal. It's quite obvious. Let's see. March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. Yeah. And the description is March begins with rough, boisterous weather and ends calmly. Uh, right. So it literally is, there's nothing to be figured out there. Yeah. That's just a plain description of mm-hmm. what it means. Mm-hmm. But I think if we want to postulate about where it came from, the lion and the lamb, mm-hmm. aren't they both religious, Christ- often Christ- used in Christian religious imagery? Ca- yeah. Catholicism imagery? Yeah. As standards for Jesus, no? Uh, well, Jesus and his followers. The sheep are now used sheep follow. like pejoratively, you know. Sheeple. Yeah. In Catholicism, Mm. There was no negative connotation. Mm. The sheep, the flock, you know, oh, yeah, Jesus his and his flock. Yeah. The lion is the king of the jungle. Right. Jesus was the, the sort of the king of all all men. Sure. And women. C.S. Lewis used the lion as a as standard lion. for God. So the lion has been used as a proxy for God or Jesus. For, for, but know. then my question is, why, why the lion? What's so great about the lion that they said this is the king of beasts? I think the, the majesty of the Regal. lion. The, I don't know. know. Whales are pretty majestic. March in like a whale and out like a lamb. <laughs> well, what other? Lemmings. Yeah. In like a whale, out like a lemming. <laughs> yeah. The diary is the lion mm-hmm. in this metaphor. And all the listeners are the lambs. (laughs) Thank you to our flock for tuning in.
<laughs> let's see how March finished out for, for Little Jed. Yeah. 25 years ago. March 27th. Bodhi is making weird sounds. He loves his ping pong ball. I've done 20 pages on Story Weaver. Oh. I'm writing a story called Booby's Head. Okay. I remembered something! I had forgotten that you hadn't actually named the story. You hadn't referenced the story name. In, no, in I hadn't. Diary. I think I've determined a name in the wow. last day or so. 20 pages in. That's, Bo- that's 20 pages of Booby's Head. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of text per page. It was probably about a diary's amount of text. Yeah. You know, it was mostly visual. Bodhi and his ping pong. More Bodhi facts, making weird sounds, playing with a ping pong ball. He loves his ping pong ball. So you presented him with a ping yeah, pong ball? Yeah, I don't know if it was a ping pong ball on its own or if it was a modified ping pong ball or, yeah. or what. He loved it. Yeah. Good bird. It's Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about Bodhi, which means I'm at my dad's, but I'm talking about Story Weaver, which is at my mom's. Mm, that's interesting. No, it isn't. Okay. March 28th. I went skiing. Bodhi loves his ping pong ball. School tomorrow. <laughs> Damn. School is over in three months. Oh boy. I saw M O A 1 M. And then there's a smiley face. Hmm. Is that a movie? A TV show? My only. I saw, as opposed to I watched, uh-huh. suggests to me that it was a movie. Because you so watched TV. Like I saw it. You, you yeah, I, went, I saw it. It's over. Yeah. It ended. M O a one m this is maddening masters of i feel like a real failure if the point of a diary is to keep a record this is not it (laughs) yeah you know you did that thing that we all do you you like jot something down in shorthand assuming that you're going to remember it and then you forget i do that with my passwords now and i forget what they are three months later what (laughs) did i think 25 years later i was going to have any i mean i guess i didn't know yeah still it should be something that could be interpreted for the rest of time right Please, God, if anyone knows a movie or TV show that came out around March 1993 that you could have written down as M-O-A-1 or M-O-A-I-M, please, for the love of God, call the tip line 1-802-851-9578. Help us. (laughs) March 29th. I was supposed to test for yellow belt today, but I couldn't. (laughs) Grandma is very sick. I hope she doesn't die. Oh. I had to go to dad's. Mom went to Burlington. I feel bad. I was laughing Why? about your inability That's to test okay. for yellow That's belt. That's funny. And it turns out that I mean, the you... likely reason was because your grandmother was sick. Yeah. And I hope that she wouldn't die. This is an interesting day. I was supposed to do a thing. I didn't. Yeah. I don't know if it's because grandma was sick. Right. Because That's mom true. probably went on a date. I feel like mom went to Burlington. I'm not sure why mom went. Mom, why did you go to Burlington? Please let me know. Do you remember this at all? No. Okay, because maybe your grandmother was just sick, and because she was old, you attached the oh, idea, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the fear yes. of her dying to her Right, being right. Sick. It may not have been that, that dire. I remember riding in the car of my friend's grandmother when I was young. His grandmother was driving. and Was it Donnie? No, it wasn't Donnie. His grandmother was very old, and I was very scared that she was going to die while <laughs> driving the car. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. I mean, I haven't really talked about death in mm-hmm. the diary before. This is the first mention of death. I mean, very sick. Again, who knows? Right. Little Jed's conceptions of illness mm-hmm. and death you know, are probably not super on point, but... yeah. People who are old and very sick right. often you know, succumb to that illness mm-hmm. because their bodies aren't up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. So reasonable fear. March 30th. Today is Tuesday. 
The bookworm play I'm in is on Thursday. Oh boy. <laughs> the game on the computer is called Story Book Weaver. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I am tired. <laughs> Annie is here. So you were right. About what? About Story Weaver. Oh yeah, Story Book Weaver. Look at that. Yeah. I'm two for two. <laughs> yeah. I'm in a play? Yeah. Why is this the first mention of a play that I'm in on Thursday? This is like what happens in nightmares. Yeah. You forget all your lines. Or never learned all your lines. I'm in a bookworm play on Thursday? Why haven't I talked about this yet? The name of the play is Bookworm? It says the just the bookworm play. Mm-hmm. It's a play about a bookworm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Do you no. remember a book sixth grade, a bookworm play? I don't. I have a very, very vague kind really? of maybe a shadow of a yeah. of a recollection. Nothing worth speaking about. Okay. Were you in that Ethan Allen play we did yeah. in fourth grade? Yeah. Do you remember I that? was not Ethan Allen, and I remember being pretty mad about that. Oh, I was mad about not being Ethan Allen as well? I was Ethan Allen's number two. Really? Yeah. But Stacy Plant, our classmate Stacy, a girl, yeah. was cast as Ethan Allen. Yeah. I was Benedict Arnold. Oh! The greatest a- traitor in history. <laughs> he was hoisted up the flagpole. We had this like elaborate apparatus, so no. I, I climbed the stairs, which were obscured by this facade. <laughs> And so it looked like I was being like hoisted up the flagpole. Alive. Yeah. Like like a wedgie almost. Yeah. Why America's you? greatest wedgie. <laughs> right. For the greatest traitor. <laughs> yeah. With Ethan Allen and his buddies, just the Green Mountain Boys. <laughs> yeah. I was like Green Mountain Boy number one. I, yeah. I definitely had a name. Like he's a historical figure as well. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't recall at the mm-hmm. moment. So already in my 12 years of life, I've played the troll under right. the bridge for the three Billy Goats Gruff. Mm-hmm. I have played... Ethan Allen's right hand man mm-hmm. and unknown role in a bookworm untitled <laughs> untitled bookworm project <laughs> so March 31st Mark is babysitting I wish dad wouldn't give us babysitters <laughs> <laughs> what is what's so funny about that it's just very funny to me that you You've expressed this a few times that you just wish that dad would trust you to take care of you and Josie. Please just let us take care of ourselves. Back to the diary. Yeah. I wish I could babysit. Uh, Yeah. I will. (laughs) Soon. (laughs) Matt and Tori are my best friends. Aw. Aw. That's very nice. Yeah, that's so sweet. What did prompt that, do you think? Oh, you know, Mark. I've mentioned Mark a couple of times before. Yeah. He was your dad's go-to sort babysitter. Sort of a go, yeah, go-to babysitter. My problems aren't with Mark. They're more with just the entire concept. Do you think this is why I am taking, taking a, course. a babysitting course? Mm-hmm. So Maybe. The, the babysat can become the babysitter? Probably. Dad couldn't possibly make me have a babysitter if I had all the qualifications. Yeah. Maybe you'd implored your dad, don't leave me with a babysitter. What's it, Dad, what's what is it going to take? What's it going to take for me to not have a babysitter? You know what? If you took a course and proved to me... Jed, the only way in hell that you could ever not have a babysitter is if somehow... With an accredited institution with, like, I don't know, the 4-H for, Club. If they granted to you a certificate saying that you had all the qualifications necessary to babysit, maybe then I'm I wouldn't gonna, give you a babysitter. I'm going to show him. Dad, can I borrow $75? April 1st Bodhi died Grandma died No no. Donnie died I am going to stop writing in my diary I'm going to commit suicide What? 
April Fools. <laughs> ha ha ha. Jesus. Oh God. <laughs> Running through your feelings just now. I mean, that took that. my breath away. <laughs> it, like having a vague sense of oh, timelines and yeah. remember. I I knew Bodie was going to die at some point. Uh-huh. I didn't expect it to be today. Yeah. So I felt some sense of dread. But when you said your grandmother died, that really filled right. me with well, she was sick. Terror. Believable. And then when you said Donnie died, I didn't know what was going on because I know that Donnie Don- did not die. <laughs> Um, The the fact that on April Fool's Day of 1993, Mm -hmm. I thought it would be funny Mm -hmm. to write in my diary that a bunch of people died and that I was going to commit suicide. Yeah. That's not funny. That's not funny. Maybe maybe early teens, like shock shock humor is like very amusing. Yeah. Like making people aghast at things. Mm -hmm. So this was perhaps my attempt at that. Going straight. (laughs) But I also... Tucked in amongst my pet dying, my grandmother dying, one of my friends dying, and an admission that I'm going to kill myself, (laughs) I include that I'm going to stop writing in this diary. If you're thinking of like ascending order of severity. Why have I included that as like, yeah, as as a thing akin to these other these other like life altering events? Was this the equivalent of reading the room mm-hmm. in that I was writing it in my diary? Right. So honestly, it was like pet died, grandma died, yeah. friend died. You're gonna die. Right. That part's actually funny to me. Yeah. That I'm like everyone's dying, including you and me, diary. <laughs> Because I couldn't kill myself and then stop writing in the diary. <laughs> right. You know, I'd have to. It, I'd have to stop writing in the diary. Although it kind of goes without saying that if I committed suicide, I would also stop writing. Your relationship in the diary. with the diary ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> April second. Tomorrow is a tournament of taekwondo. Annie is here. George and Moya and Peter and Elena are coming. Grandma is still sick. The bookworm play was good. <laughs> God, I know, I really, the play was yesterday. The play was April 1st, and I wasted that whole entry with a series of jokes and bad taste. (laughs) A lot of names there that maybe our listeners won't recognize. So Annie is my mom's sister. Mm -hmm. George is her brother. Moya is his wife. And Peter and Elena are their children. Yeah, your cousins. And my cousins. And grandma is still sick. So if the family's coming around. around. Yeah, she didn't. She's she's sicker than maybe we. Yeah, but she didn't die then. No. No. So we know today, we know more than the people in the diary know. Right. So, of course. So we can't tell them not to come, not to come up to Vermont. <laughs> they're, they're gathering together just in case. Mm-hmm. Tori. Yes. We've done it. Yeah, we we've, made it. We've made it to the end of week 13. The baker's dozen of weeks. I didn't think we would. The unlucky 13. Mm-hmm. The cursed. We're, we're still here. The red dress didn't get us this time. <laughs> Three months into the year. Three months into 1993. It's April. Yeah. What do they say about April? April showers bring May flowers. That's right. That's the next sort of rhyme. Mm-hmm. April is the cruelest month. April is historically the cruelest month. Mm-hmm. Why is that? T.S. Eliot is the one who said oh, that. Oh, should I not look it up in the dictionary of It's phrase, from the Wasteland. Fable? That's how the Wasteland begins. The T.S. Eliot epic go on, poem. Go on. Oh, it just begins, April is the cruelest month. I don't know the next line. <laughs> Oh, and then there's the Canterbury Tales begins. One that April with his shower suta, the Drachtamarth has parasit to the ruta. What the, Why do you know this? When April with its sweet smelling showers has pierced the drought of March to the root. Oh, okay. That's like kind of, it's saying 
April showers take care of the dryness of March. Right. Almost. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. That's that's one more week in the books. Please rate us on iTunes. Uh, leave a review. Tell your friends. The most effective or credible form of advertisement is when a friend recommends something to another friend. Oh, okay. Oh, So if all of you out there who are listening could recommend this to another friend, although... As we've found, yeah. oftentimes it isn't enough to hear a recommendation from one friend. Okay. Usually it takes two friends or three. Okay. Okay. So like the first friend plants the seed uh, and then the second friend's recommendation kind of cultivates the flower. Yeah. Um, so, but the extension of that is sometimes if you hear from too many friends something that it's, it's like the equivalent of oversaturating the market. If a bunch of people are recommending a thing to me, I find that I become resistant to it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you listeners could kind of coordinate <laughs> yeah. with each other. To recommend it, but not too much. Yeah. Please, if, you. if two of you, Don't overdo if it. two listeners could recommend to every one non-listener. <laughs> tell some of your friends, not too many of your friends, or get your friend to, to both of you maybe tell one friend, but don't try to make sure no one else tells that friend. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you'll, you'll figure it out. We experienced some troubles putting this episode together, but hopefully if we've done a good job, you'll never know. Yeah. And I shouldn't even be saying this, but you know. You made it this far. Yeah, you might as well reward them. Yeah, with this. No one loves you this way. So put on your red dress, baby. One more time, I have been blind. Lady in red is my girl. Lady with the red dress on. I love to be. Jetta Diaries, the Jetta Diaries, that's the name of this podcast. And now this episode is through.